Well, good morning. It's 49ers wake up, and that is not only the name of the show. It feels like that's the mandate after two straight losses. 49ers wake up. Where have you gone after such a good start? Welcome, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, simulcasting on both of our channels and getting ready to talk you through a frustrating loss on Monday Night Football. Good morning, Larry. 22-17, Vikings on top. Kirk Cousins looked like Peyton Manning. 49ers blitzed at the wrong time, had a bad defensive game. They got trouble up front, and they've lost two in a row, and they've they've kind of earned these losses. They have. Yep, no question about it. This one, uh, you know, Fred Warner said in the postgame, we got to learn how to win the grimy games. And to me, watching it again last night um, after we after the postgame show, I mean, the you know, if there was one fact that could reveal what kind of night it was for the 49ers, is the Vikings' first punt came with nine minutes and 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Vikings had had fought, scored on five straight possessions, and they were not forced to punt until there was inside of 10 minutes left in the game. To me, that says it all. Larry, even scoring on five straight possessions, it was still a one-possession game for the 49ers at the end. I mean, even when they were bad, they were still in the grimy game. Um, and and it feels like opportunity lost because you looked at this two-game road trip. I remember us doing this after the Dallas game, and we said, man, it's really breaking the 49ers' way. If you were going to go to Cleveland and then you were going to go to Minnesota, you'd probably say, well, it'd be easier to win these games if neither Deshaun Watson nor Justin Jefferson were out there playing. Well, that happened. And they still didn't take advantage of that. The 49ers took Jordan Addison from the land of rookies that no one really knows about, even though he was off to a really nice start. And last night they turned him into Randy Moss. Like you didn't even need Justin Jefferson. And uh, that was way too easy at times going through the 49ers defense. Kirk Cousins is, is good. You know, I mean, he is. There's there's no doubt about it. He's good. It's not popular to like Kirk Cousins. It's certainly not cool to do the Kirk Cousins is better than you think he is segment, but he probably deserves one or two of those today because last night, I mean, he was almost flawless. If you want to say the interception that he threw was more of, you know, a ball being stripped from a receiver than it was a bad throw. Yeah, I mean, the Niners' defense didn't put enough pressure on him. That's simple enough. I mean, Kirk Cousins um, was like 7-11 and 11 in primetime coming into the game. Um, when And yet he's had some games in his career where he looks great. And those are games where he doesn't get hit and he doesn't have to run around crazily. And the Niners' defense never hit him. Uh, or they hit him, but they never sacked him. And they really didn't force him from the pocket. Um, and he played the game on his own terms, and he was fantastic. I mean, Kirk Cousins was absolutely the difference in the ball game. Um, he had an amazing career night. He threw for 378 yards. The Niners still haven't sacked him. And on the quarterback down, the third down, he converted at will. He owned third down. He converted eight of 13 on third down. Um, and you know, no, it's scary because what would he have done with Justin Jefferson, who might be the best receiver in football? Uh, he would have torched this 49er defense. So 49ers, you know, Steve Wilkes and the Niner defenders have to look themselves in the mirror and say, Hey, look, um, we allowed 452 total yards. We gave up 378 passing yards. 
we were non a non-factor on third down. Our rush didn't get home even when we did blitz. I mean, this was a D-line, Damon, that was supposed to be able to put heat on the quarterback and sack the quarterback with just four. They couldn't get home when they sent six. And their three corners, um, you know, are not good enough. Isaiah Oliver, I mean, you look at all three of their guys. Mooney Ward, um, you know, had an illegal contact penalty in the fourth quarter. Isaiah Oliver had a defensive holding penalty in the fourth against Addison. Um, and and Demo Lenore had a third quarter uh, um, uh, pass interference penalty. So that's their best. And if they, if they have any injuries to those guys, there's a real drop-off to the next level. So I think the 49ers, if you're John Lynch, you know, today's the 24th. A week from today is the NFL trade deadline. You better look around at all available uh, pass rushers and corners because your rush ain't good enough and your coverage ain't good enough. And that's not a good combination. We'll get to how they can fix it in a little bit. We are right now diving into what went wrong. Welcome into 49ers postgame, sweeping the nation. If you don't mind me saying, coming out of the Bay Area, we are the most consumed and watch show on YouTube emanating from any station anywhere in the Bay Area. And we thank so many fans for joining us. It's a simulcast. And uh, it's 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 gone really well right up until the last two weeks for the 49ers. Larry, <laughs> we're brought to you by the Acai Bowl at Palmetto Superfoods. Go ahead. Tell them that Damon and Larry sent you. You will get uh, a small Acai Bowl. Buy one. Get one free as you come in and try it. It's absolutely delicious. It's a great way to start your day. And everyone could use a little pickup after last night. So get yourself, get yourself, get yourself an acai bowl. Hey, Steve Wilkes, things went bad yesterday. Maybe start today with an acai bowl. <laughs> he could use an acai bowl. He bowl could Steve use an Wilkes. acai. He needs the dragon fruit in the worst way. Just the facts, Larry, our opening segment as tradition dictates here on 49ers wake up. Look, it's back-to-back -back losses, but the whole this team is trash, uh, sky is falling nonsense means none of you are cut out for a full NFL season. There's still 10 games to go. The amount of things that could go right and wrong between now and the end of the year go to infinity in both directions. So trying to come away with a conclusion of where you think this team is definitely headed or definitely not headed right now is a little nuts. Let me also say that the Niners have lost back-to-back -back games by a combined score of seven points. It's disappointing, yes, but is the sky falling? No. The losses have knocked the 49ers off the lead lap. In the NFL, the Eagles and Chiefs are 6-1, and one, but it's not like things are horrific right now. The 49ers are in a group of 5-2 and two with the Lions in the NFC and the Ravens and Jaguars, so they have one of the best records in football. They remain one of the best teams in football. If anything, this game could be the catalyst, Larry, to breed some action at the trade deadline that may not have happened had they won this game easily. You know what I mean? So maybe this is the wake-up call that the 49ers need as they got a really good Cincinnati opponent that's been underachieving a little bit this year coming to town off a bye on a short prep week going into the bye five and three 
is a reality now. Like people have to mentally prepare themselves for that because that could happen. A big game against the Bengals is coming up. This isn't 49ers preview. We're not going to do that yet. But the situation that the 49ers are in right now sure feels a little different than coming out of, you know, 5 and 0 to start the year. And the truth is, Larry, here's the numbers. I mean, this is the, this is the difference. The 49ers defense has given up 769 total yards with only two sacks accounted in their last eight quarters of football. And I really thought that last night more than they were outcoached or Steve Wilkes is the devil or anything like that, um, I, I thought it was a player's loss. This loss was firmly on the guys on the field who got outplayed, got beaten at the point of attack, got beaten in their one-on-one matchups. Chavarius Ward, the strip giveth and the strip taketh away. Um, Christian McCaffrey in the end zone twice, fumbled once. They just found zero rhythm last night. They got beaten in time of possession. And Minnesota never came off the field on third down unless it was third and goal. And this could have been a lot worse. You know, I mean, they lost 22-17. It could have been worse had Minnesota chosen to be a little bit more aggressive on their fourth and goal opportunities. There was a fourth fourth down that they punted on that normally Kevin O'Connell goes for in that situation. He played conservative, and the Niners did nothing to, to, to benefit from how much the Vikings let them hang around, even though they weren't even playing particularly well. Yeah. The one part about this game that was bothering me is at halftime, the 49ers were giving up 5.8 yards per carry. This Viking team the week before went up against the Chicago Bears, and the Bears held them to 2.1 yards per carry with the same backs and the Niners gave up almost six yards a carry. So that, to me, was bothersome. Where is the run D? What has happened to the run D? Um, they got gashed in the preseason. Then I think you know one of the things that kind of camouflaged their run D problems is their scoring early in the year. Uh, when you, you know, it's hard to win the grimy games when you can't run the ball consistently and you can't stop the run. And I just think that really, like if you look at the 49ers, you know, schedule and how things have gone for them, um, you know, did they really stop the run in week one or did Brock Purdy in the offense score a bunch of points? Um, the Rams ran it with Kyron Williams effectively in week two. Did they really stop the run in week three or did they face a New York giant team that didn't have Saquon Barkley. You know, they did stop the run in the first half of the Cardinal game in week four, but they also put up a ton of points in that game. And the situation kind of, you know, same with Dallas. They put up a lot of points and took away the run game that way. They didn't stop Cleveland's run, even though Cleveland did it without Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford was instead their main runner. And they didn't do it last week. I mean, Jerome Ford and Alexander Madison are not two of the NFL's better running backs. And the 49ers have not been able to stop the run in either game. So how does that how's that going to play later this year when they play try to play the, the Eagles in Philly? Um, the Eagles can run the ball. You know, I mean, that's going to be a problem. 
So, I mean, um, how are you going to do this in the playoffs against the best teams in the, in football? You got to stop the run. And I, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's the addition of Hargrave. Um, he had Look, one Kevon real Hargrave nice. Is, Larry, he's living up to his reputation a little bit. A very good pass rushing D tackle who's a little light against the run. And that is kind of what we're seeing. I mean, I think that that reputation has followed him to San Francisco. But he but did it, stuff Madison for a loss in the first half. So, I mean, watching the game again, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel like he was necessarily the problem. He might, be say their best, he, he, he might be their best defensive lineman so far of the year. I mean, he really no is. Doubt. Well, I, to me, there's, there's, you know, point right to the stars. You want to credit the stars when they win. You can blame the stars when they lose. Fred Warner couldn't make a tackle last night. He missed at least four or five tackles. Um, he fell off a number of plays. You know, he Greenlaw is awesome against the run, but he's a little dinged up. They replaced their run defending safety tandem of Ward and Tart with two guys who have great ball skills but don't really play the run consistently in Gibson and and uh, Hafanga. So um, they they you know I'm. I'm not sure it's a team effort and it's a team failure, but I, you know, Fred Warner, I counted at least four or five missed tackles and yesterday. He, still, he and he still had 13, which led either team in tackles. You know, I mean, a, a bad game from Fred Warner is still a pretty good game from a lot of other players, but he has a level of expectation attached to him. And you see one guy run away from a Fred Warner tackle. You start saying, well, I don't, you don't see that very often, but yeah, Fred bounced off a couple of guys last night. He did. He did not have a great game. And Dre Greenlaw as overwhelming as he can be. Um, I can't remember the last Niner game where they weren't checking him for something. Cause he's down on the turf. You know, I mean, he is always coming up a little, that didn't feel good in like every single her all the time. And, and he does, he straps it on. He's out there. Um, uh, he's a very good player, but this defensive line to me is the reason why this team has been underachieving in the last two weeks defensively. This defensive line is the reason why it's easy to point at Steve Wilkes and say, well, he's not doing the job. Well, uh, they are the heartbeat of this defense. They are supposed to set the tone for the entire team. And they simply haven't been, they haven't been through seven games. Here are your sack totals, Larry. Hargrave has three. Drake Jackson has three, but hasn't all, had one. Yeah. All week one game. Exactly. Yeah. So Drake Jackson, we have not even heard his name since the plane left Pittsburgh. Uh, so Hargrave has three. Drake Jackson has three. Bosa only has two and a half. Warner's got two. Givens, Heidler, Greenlaw, Gregory have one. And Eric Armstead has a whole, not even a whole, he has a half a sack. One half sack for Eric Armstead, who I I can't remember him playing in a single game yet this year, Larry. Have we well, seen he's had Eric Armstead? Good, yeah, he's had some really good moments at times, but it ain't it's not showing up in the stat sheet, that's for sure. Now, not all D lineman plays do show up in the stat sheet. Right. But I'll give you another one. When they went from Jimmy Ward to Isaiah Oliver as the nickelback, Isaiah Oliver, I'm still wondering what he does well. He can't stay with receivers, he doesn't stop the run. 
I'm you know, Jimmy Ward would hit you like a linebacker and he could cover. Now they've got a guy who the coverage is okay at times, but anybody who's really shifty and can double move him, he doesn't have the body control to stay with those guys. And he's not a force against the run. I mean, just to, if anything, he's a, they got too many grab and drag tacklers right now. Hafanga doesn't want to hit you. He wants to grab and drag you. And, and there's a lot of grabbing. There's a lot of, and, and there's, there's not what I, what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing striking and wrapping. That's what I want to see. I want to see guys strike and wrap and, and Afonga will strike you sometimes, but rarely wraps. Oliver doesn't wrap. I mean, they're not wrapping anybody and they're not going to the ground. I mean, you, you get, you know, they're in the area, but I mean, like I'm watching Madison run through them. Um, and it's like Alexander Madison is not a star and they're made, they made him look really, really good. And, and not only that, they're, they're getting screened. So, you know, so like teams are throwing screens at them to try to neutralize them. And those screens are being effective. I don't know if they're giving away what, where they're, you know, bringing extra blitzers and, and extra rushers, but it seems like these teams have an uncanny ability to screen the opposite way of the Niner blitz, which almost always equates to a big play. You know, you're right when you say that a defensive lineman can make a lot of things happen that don't necessarily show up in the box score. And I agree with you, but this defensive line, when it's at its best, doesn't require a lot of nuance to understand what's going on. You know what I mean? Like they're supposed to be an overwhelming presence in the league, not just in a game. They are supposed to be the one you can pack it and take it with you on the road unit that goes everywhere and kicks ass everywhere. And they're not, and they're not. And Nick Bosa wears the crown of reigning defensive player of the year, highest paid defender in football history. And if we're being completely honest, he is in the the start of just a guy season. Nick Bosa is played like just a guy. He is he has got the impact of a league average defensive end at this particular time. And he is being asked to do an awful lot more than that for this team to work. The contract that he got handed is demanding he do more than that. And I'm not saying that the Off-season holdout is a part of why last night didn't go well. But maybe it's a part of the reason why Steve Wilkes is not coaching particularly well because he didn't get enough reps in. But here's the thing. I mean, it's week seven. Like, training camp's over. The preseason, whether you were there or not, doesn't matter anymore. If you were in football shape for week one or not, it was week seven. So, you know. We can talk about it all day. It ain't good enough. I don't care, you know, whatever he's doing, it ain't good enough. Right. A 35-year-old, relatively immobile quarterback dropped back to pass last night on a fast surface that favors the defense 45 freaking times, and Nick Bosa hit him once. Once. And that Was that the only QB hit of the game? I mean, well, the nine, like- see, here's the thing. Forget these pressures. You know, pro football focus, screw pro football focus, pro football focus. If if you went by them, you'd think that Nick Bosa was Miles Garrett. He ain't. Miles Garrett's outplayed Nick Bosa by a ton this year. 
look at two two stats, sacks and hits. If you don't hit the quarterback, you know, you want to sack the quarterback. If you don't sack the quarterback, you want to hit the quarterback. Pressures, no. I'm not interested in pressures. I'm interested in hits and sacks. They got zero sacks. They had six hits on the quarterback all night. He was only pressured on 25% of his 45 dropbacks. And again, Kirk Cousins is a statue back there compared to, you know, modern NFL quarterback mobility. Three turnovers. Last night, Larry, you know, when, when we talk about what, well, what do you expect? I expected the 49ers to win that turnover battle last night. Everyone has won their turnover battle because the Vikings have been coughing it up like a bad high school JV team all season long. Well, not last night, you know, Kirk Cousins threw his interception. That was the only turnover. And the Niners had three, three turnovers. Um, you know, they, they, they lost a turnover battle to the most, turnover prone team in football. That's a good way to give another team life. And they keep living when you never get off the field on third down. And like so many games, that's where the game is won or lost on third down. Um, You know, maybe getting off the field on third down once or twice in the first half would have given the fresher legs to have recorded the sack that you needed in the third or fourth quarter that never happened last night. Um, the 49ers won their first five games, Larry, by nearly 20 points. Um, uh, you know, an average of nearly they, 20 points. They still are the number one point differential team in all of football this morning. Yeah. No, look, I mean, the whole, they're a bad football team means you just don't know what you're looking at. You're an overreacting fan. They're not a bad football team. They're a good football team. That's had bad games. There are bad football teams that have good games. And sometimes there are good football teams that have bad games. Like I said, this league is built to strip you of your success and your momentum around every corner. It's how the league works. And just this week in particular, there was an awful lot of, well, I didn't think that team was going to win wins around the NFL in this week. It happens. Nothing here is easy. But the Niners aren't doing themselves any favor when they get held to 17 points in back-to-back games. Um, they, They have had, even with their defensive struggles, point totals that are good enough to get you into the win column. But the offense has become, I don't know, do dare I say, Larry, I, I don't know if predictable is the right word, but one of the things that I know you want to talk about we both talked about it in our post-game shows last night, is there is an element that is beyond injury concern to Christian McCaffrey's overuse here. I think that it is robbing this team of a change of pace. I think Mason is... What what has Mason done to be in Shanahan's doghouse? I don't get it. Why is he not getting touches? That is an NFL running back with real size that is different than the other guy. And you got the other guy out there for every single offensive snap. Jordan Mason, statistically last night, one tackle. That's I mean, tra- you know, if you don't want to play this guy, that's fine. Then trade him. Then trade him. Then trade him somewhere else and get another back. Because right now, he might as well be me or you. He's not, Kyle's not putting him out there. He doesn't want to use him. 
um, even with McCaffrey playing with a partially torn oblique, the guy gets no run to speak of. Um, there, I mean, Peter King said it, and he's totally right. This whole thing, and I asked Shanahan last week, and he gave me kind of a weak answer. Uh, I said, is you know, Christian's on pace for nearly 400 touches. Is his usage rate sustainable? And Kyle's like, well, he's our number one running back, and uh, we use him as much as we think we should, and we throw it to him, and I'm happy with his usage. Well, I'm not. I'm not because guess what? He's probably not going to be there in the playoffs at this rate. So use your other backs. I mean, Philly's number one back is DeAndre Swift. They still use Kenneth Gainwell. Who's good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, the Viking, the uh, Chiefs' number one back is Isaiah Pacheco. They u- still use Jarris McKinnon or Jarek McKinnon. Where is the running back depth? Elijah Mitchell got one touch. He doesn't look like the same guy. Uh, Mason looks good when he gets in there, but nobody has any faith in him. So if you don't have any faith in him, then train him. Go find a back that you have faith in that you can utilize opposite McCaffrey, because otherwise you're going to get to the playoffs and there isn't going to be a McCaffrey. I mean, that's the reality. He's dinged up there. There were not even halfway through the year. He's taken a workload that's, you know, McCaffrey runs upright and he takes more hits than your average running back because of it. And here we are, you know, it's not even week eight of a 17 week season. And the guy has touched the ball a ton. He's been very good and he promises to be very good if he's fresh, if you can have him upright in the playoffs at this rate, we're going to find out about who the Niner backup running backs are in the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with that, Larry. I would, you know, and and look, the the one thing, the one attaboy of last night's game probably goes to Christian McCaffrey, right? Even though it wasn't a good game for Christian McCaffrey, by Christian McCaffrey yardage standards, he still scores two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns of the game for the 49ers, and now stands alone second in NFL history with a touchdown in consecutive games, 16, that includes the playoffs. He had two last night, and he wasn't even at his best and was given a monster workload. And I just think it, it, look, he's an unpredictable player. He can be scat back. He can be flashback. He can be catch it out of the backfield. He can be a power back in his own regard. He runs with an awful lot of thump. He really does for a guy who's not a big guy. But just getting someone else in there. I mean, this is, it's so odd. It always felt like Kyle Shanahan depended and sometimes overused his stable of running backs. But now he's got a guy that he's addicted to, and he doesn't know how to to, to just throw in someone else. And, and look, Elijah Mitchell, he got one carry. And I don't know if the fault of that carry was his because he was met behind the line of scrimmage for a negative one yard loss, but that's it. Like we didn't see him again. The way that Kyle has a player fall in and out of favor with him is a topic I think to bring up where on a night where Debo is not available is Ronnie bell. How did, did he take a snap? I, you know what, Larry, I had to get up a little early with the kids this morning. I didn't get to read the Matty Barrows athletic snap counts column that he always puts out. Uh, 
how many snaps for Ronnie Bell last night? And I'm not talking special teams, right? Like, was he out there? He wasn't targeted once. I didn't see him. I didn't hear his name. Um, you know, it, 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 I'm just surprised that players who have flashed to the positive, Ronnie Bell, Jordan Mason, are afterthoughts when they're having trouble getting an offense going due to a couple of injuries at both positions that the two guys I just mentioned also play. Well, what? Where's Brandon Ayuk? Ayuk was this unstoppable force in uh, in in the preseason, and they can't get him going. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he he looked incredible this summer. Five I thought he was going to go off. He only they only targeted him six times. They're not dynamic enough offensively um, right now. They don't have a speed threat. You know, McCaffrey's dynamic, but he's less dynamic when he gets beaten up the way he does. And, you know, if you look around, um, you know, almost every team they go go against has somebody who's really dangerous. You know, the Rams have 2-2 Atwell. Uh, the Steelers have Pickens. You know, yesterday, the Vikings, even without Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison is dangerous. The Niners have George Kittle. He likes to run over people. Jawan Jennings, he ran 4-7 coming out. He loves to run over people. Um, where's the dynam where's the dynamic playmaker? I mean, if you're saying it's Ray Ray McLeod, I mean, he's a he's a spot player. Yeah, he only got three targets all night. Um, it should be Ayuk, but obviously defenses are trying to take him away. I mean, he 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 makes some plays, but the Niners could use a dynamic weapon. I mean, they don't have a, even when Debo comes back, Debo is not dynamic as far as a, he's a run through you guy. I mean, they're very physical. They're very physical and there's a lot of collisions, but where's the, where's the space creating dynamic mover? The Cardinals have Hollywood Brown. They've got Michael Wilson. They've got Rondale Moore. Um, it seems like every team they play, you know, has, has some dynamic weapon that it's going to be, they, you know, they can throw it to down the field. I, I'm not seeing the dynamic weapons. I just am not seeing them. It, it's I, they need more speed. Well, and what you need is to feed the hand that that is eaten. And it feels like Kyle goes away from things that work in the name of, well, I'm setting up a play for later. Don't worry about setting up a play for later. Just go with what's working. You don't need to set up a play for later when you got something that's really, really working. And it feels like there's this need to spread it around. I mean, this is the, you know, when, when we were doing segments uh, about Kyle's arrogance, you know, the, the, he wants the system to be the star. He doesn't want necessarily any player to be a star. I don't think it's time to go relitigating Kyle Shanahan. You know, I just saw a guy in the chat say, the problem is the punk privileged head coach. No one said that during a 16-game winning streak, which he just had. Kyle Shanahan is officially, you know, 16-2 um, and two in his last 18 games coached, and that is a ratio that you would take a billion out of one billion times. I don't think the problem was Kyle Shanahan last night, but there is some arrogance in the way that he rolls out or restricts players for whatever reason, and... You know, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk needed 
a massive amount of targeting last night. Neither really got it. I had, before the game started, I sent it at 5.09 p.m. So just before kickoff last night, Larry, my three final thoughts of ingredients that the Niners would need to win last night's game. And the Niners were 0 for 3 in my three thoughts, which were, number one, hey, scoring on the first possession has been Kyle's calling card. Some more of that, please. Didn't do that. McCaffrey fumbled. Number two, how many first half touches for Mitchell or Mason? In other words, is he getting someone other than Christian McCaffrey involved in this running game to wake up, uh, wake it up a little bit? Well, a massive strikeout on that for Kyle. We didn't see Mitchell or Mason, but for a carry. And I said, you need an eight to 10 catch game from either Kittle or Ayuk. And you didn't get that either. So, you know, the Niners were beaten by the Vikings. I think they did a little to beat themselves as well. And I guess on that note, Larry, it would be the right time for us to talk about the one play where they absolutely did wrong by themselves. And Steve Wilkes put the team in Dutch right when it seemed like the Niners, like they score that touchdown. Now they just got to get off the field and get into the locker room. They're going to get the ball to start the second half. Go ahead and score on that opening drive, Kyle. And you're back in control of this game. You're back on the lead. Um, According to NFL Next Gen Stats, Larry, I don't know if you saw this one, about Steve Wilkes' choice to blitz in that situation. It was the first seven-man pass rush in the last 30 seconds of a half in opposing territory since week 11 of 2020. That's every team, every scenario, every game over the last three years. And Steve Wilkes decided I'm going to get really, really brave at the wrong time. I mean, had anybody gotten home and sacked Kirk Cousins, he's a freaking genius. Had Chavarius Ward come down with the interception, no one is talking about that's the wrong time to blitz because that aggressive blitz made him short arm the ball that went to Javarius Ward, but Ward had the ball ripped right out of his hands by Addison, turnabout fair play since the same thing happened earlier in the game to Addison. And he goes on the big touchdown that was uh, just a soul-sucking gut punch touchdown going into half. And you played the clip. Are you queuing it up right now, Larry? I'm in your your own mind. You played the clip last night of Kyle Shanahan basically asked, what'd you think about uh, the Steve Wilkes blitz? He's like, yeah, we're going to talk about that this week. In other words, I didn't like that at all. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I mean, I don't know what, why Steve was feeling so confident about that, but it was a terrible was a terrible idea i mean it really was um let me see if i can call it up here um but yeah i mean it was a terrible that was a terrible idea to go with the blitz right there i mean um risk reward it's a three-point game you're getting the ball back in the in the you know to start the third quarter why 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 go there why do that i mean it's just uh, that was a terrible terrible decision i mean think about it there's 16 seconds left in the game he goes all out blitz on third and six. The Vikings are on their own 40 yard line. They're nowhere near field goal range. 
and you know the ball goes to Addison for a touchdown, and a 10-7 lead becomes 16-7, only thanks to the mix the missed uh, extra point. But yeah, I mean that was you know risk reward. It made no sense. It made no sense to take that level of risk um, right there. And you know it's I you know it's like okay uh, you know what's the worst that could happen that um, that somehow they, you know, got into field goal range. And instead of being down uh, three, you're down six. Who cares? You're still getting the ball back in the, in the, to start the third quarter. Um, they acted like, you know, they, they were trying to protect a, a two point lead, um, you know, with, with, uh, and they couldn't let them get into field goal range and they had to stop them right then and there. I mean, they acted like that was such there was such urgency involved there um, and that there really wasn't. I mean, that was not the play to sell out on. And then when Shanahan was asked about it afterwards, I'm looking for it right now. But he basically was like, you know, we're going to talk about that. So, um, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what to say about. Well, I mean, there's there's really nothing to talk about it. Steve, don't ever pull that bullshit again. I mean, you have enough experience. The reason why you got the job is because you're the guy who's been in the NFL long enough to not do stupid young buck cowboy shit like that. And Steve Wilkes got caught with his pants down in the wrong moment. Here it but, is. You know, I'm, I'm going to play it for you here. All right, go ahead. This is, this is you know, this, Shanahan will not bury his players and definitely doesn't play, uh, bury his coaches at the podium. Don't. Here's what he had to um, say. Called an all-out blitz and... He's got it. Here we go. Here it is. Brian, you were able to sack Kevin Kohler, also some assignments to the ball and some blitz calls that backfired. What went on those touchdowns? Um, I don't think assignment was blown on the on the touchdown. Um, called an all-out blitz, and he's got to get rid of it right away. And he threw it up and got a chance for a pick. Didn't come through with it, and they got a touchdown. It's a real bad play by us. Um. That's stuff we'll discuss throughout this week. Obviously, I did not like the result. There you go. We'll discuss that this week. So, I mean, that's I mean, that's, that's as close as Kyle gets to uh, to ripping a coach. Is yeah. like, hey, you know, we'll we'll talk about this that this week. In other words, no, hell no, I didn't like that. An all-out blitz in that situation, you know, leaving. Um, you know, Mooney Ward one-on-one and then Mooney Ward is like Mooney Ward care more about the team or himself there. It's like, dude, what you do not let the receiver get separation. The pick, what does the pick do for you there? If you get the pick, you're going to, you're the offense is going to trot on the field and they're going to take a knee. You don't need the pick right there. You need to, to you need to make sure the receiver doesn't get loose for a touchdown, and he sold out for the pick. I mean, I mean that was a I mean, very selfish you know, in my mind. That was a selfish play. That's a guy going for stats and right. second pick and, of the night. And yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get the pick here. It's like okay, but you know what? The most important thing is that you keep the player out of the end zone, and you took yourself out of the play. And the guy Which, got to the end he, zone. I mean, here's the thing. Mooney Ward had moments in that game that are absolutely worth criticism. Of them all, 
I got that at the back of the list. Like, make a play. You make a play on the ball, son. Like, I don't have a problem with that. That is that is all happening really fast. He had ripped a ball away earlier in the game, probably thought, here is a chance to do it again. He was in position. I, I thought he had the pick. I did. It looked on camera like he had the pick until he was falling to the ground, and then you saw Addison run into the end zone, and you're like, uh-oh, I guess he doesn't have the ball. Um it was it, it, it was a, a blown man-to-man assignment by a corner who isn't playing as well as he did last year. And He's why not. play man-to-man? You don't even play a lot of man-to-man. So I mean, why you know, Steve was you know was saying that he can get there with his front four. Now he's sending a blitz and he's sending it you know, in the last seconds of the first half and, and giving away a touchdown. I mean, that was a, that was a backbreaker, man. That was the difference in the ball game right there. And, and Hugh castles, like the offense scored 17 and had three turnovers. That was the biggest problem to me. Um, the fact that you couldn't stop the run and the D and in Kirk cousins own third down, and you gave up 400, and 52 total yards and 378 passing that that to me was the primary i mean i the niner yeah. offense needs to be more dynamic purdy made a couple bad throws in the fourth but to me the defense this number this killer defense that was supposed to be one of the best defenses in pro football that that was a hugely disappointing effort by the defense tara lynn love says they should have had some asahi bowls it be, before they took the field you should have an asahi bowl but only from palmetto superfoods as you're going about your week first time us doing this on a tuesday larry it's it's gonna be it's a short turnaround for us too it's gonna be a short turnaround before the bengals get here it's a compressed week of shows and interviews and pregame and all the stuff that you and i do but uh yeah get yourself off to a healthy start put something good in your belly to start your day the acai bowl is it strange bedfellows, something nutritious? I mean, I'm, we're getting compliments from Pig and a Pickle in here. And thank you very much, Pig and a Pickle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is also a little healthy option that Larry and I would like to tell you about. It's delicious. And if you walk on in and say, Damon and Larry sent me, buy one small The Bay Acai Bowl, and you will get a second one for free. Tell them Damon and Larry sent you. And uh, enjoy a healthy breakfast. And the yoga pants. I'm just going to throw that out there. Larry. <laughs> get yourself an OCE bowl and get your day off to a nice start. You'll be happy that you did. Look, you know, I, I see a lot of chatter about Brock Purdy. And, you know, I had people coming down my road saying, hey, weren't you the guy who was saying that all those preseason training camp interceptions didn't matter and maybe it does matter now? What do you think about that, Damon? You don't know nothing. Clown emoji, clown emoji, clown emoji, clown emoji, clown emoji. Okay. Look, you know what's really disappointing? Watching your quarterback throw an interception, his second of the night on a drive that you need a touchdown on to win the game. Purdy was driving for a game-winning touchdown when he made his second and most critical mistake of the night with that interception. We're not going to pretend those interceptions are good. 
But we're not going to let them define Brock Purdy as a player either. And I'm not going to let any of you try to wrestle back a talking point thinking that you're dunking on me or anyone who's telling you that Brock Purdy's pretty good at this. Brock Purdy played a good game until he didn't at the very, very end. But the truth is, as we look at the entire NFL today, if interceptions are a problem for Brock Purdy, he's in a pretty good group of problem havers because of all quarterbacks who have played seven games this year, Brock Purdy has thrown the fewest interceptions of all of them. He's only thrown three on the year. Look at the league this year. Everybody has more than three interceptions, except for Brock Purdy, basically, in a small group that is there with him at three. So Brock Purdy has is is one of the you don't need to worry about him throwing an interception quarterbacks in this league right now he is not out there hurting this team with his own mistakes or making the wrong play or the wrong read he threw two last night i'll give you that if you're rooting for brock purdy to fail and you claim to be a 49ers fan i'm going to tell you right now you're a shit 49er fan because that guy's your starting quarterback well, not only that, I mean, it's like decide what, you know, it's like these same people that are go that are losing their mind over Brock Purdy's struggle last night in the fourth quarter. You were rooting and telling us in July that Purdy wasn't as good as Trey Lance. Exactly. So, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, here's the bottom line in his career. He's completed 67% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, and is 12 and two or whatever. You know, whatever he was, whatever he is. It's like, you know, the guy has been really, really good. And I have to laugh because, I mean, people that I like, um, you know, are just trying to be on both sides of the aisle on this thing. I, you know, where I'm coming from. I think the guy's a good quarterback, and I think he is their future quarterback. But we, we got people who are like, I like him, but he's not the guy. But I like him, but he's not the guy long term. I mean, he's the guy right now, but he's not the guy down the road. But I do like him, but I don't really like him. And I, I really don't believe in him, but I kind of believe in him now, but I don't believe in him long term. And it's like, what is it? Do you believe in the guy or do you not believe in the guy? Josh Allen has bad games. Jalen Hurts had three picks against the Jets two weeks ago. They lost. I mean, guys have bad games. Got, this was not a bad game by Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy completed 85% of his passes, and Troy Aikman was sounding like he wanted to marry the guy going to the fourth quarter. He had three or four bad passes, two of which got picked. Uh, you know what? I'll roll with it. I mean, you know what? I mean, it, it, is he part of the reason they lost? Absolutely. Does he need to be better? Absolutely. He's among um, but, the least but decide, of their make problems, a, Larry. Be convicted in your in your have some conviction in your your analysis. I just get the feeling that it's like there's people out there that are like, well, I better say that he's pretty good because the group is going with that. And I better, but I better maintain my my doubts because otherwise, and I, you know, and then there's people that are crushing him in the first half. Um, and then and then taking down their tweets as he has a good rest of the first half and third quarter and then tr ripping him again in the fourth quarter. I mean, 
either stay with them and have some belief and have some perspective that quarterback play goes up and down to a degree and there's going to be successes and failures. I mean, this is a guy that throws with anticipation and throws to spots. He doesn't wait for guys to get open in the NFL. He's an anticipatory thrower. That's a good thing. But guess what? He, the Brock Purdy, part of what makes Brock Purdy Brock Purdy is he's got the stones to throw the 50-50 ball and put it on his receiver to go to the spot. And that means there's going to be some miscommunications. There's going to be some times where you think your receiver's going to that spot and he doesn't get there. You know, there's going to be some times where there's going to be some turnovers. Um, I thought he played incredibly well um, through three quarters, but that still doesn't take away the the two interceptions. The one that I have a problem with is the last one because I felt like it wasn't the last play of the game. There wasn't it wasn't a do or die situation. He didn't need to be that aggressive. There were still thirty seconds left. I felt like he had a running lane. I haven't seen the all twenty two yet, but to my mind, when they showed the the end zone tight angle and we got a view of his viewpoint, it looked like he had an avenue to run for fifteen or twenty yards to his right with 30 seconds on the clock and them at the 40 yard line, that would have brought him down to what the 25 and a first down uh, with maybe what 15, 20 seconds left. Um, Hardly a disaster. I thought that was the, instead he took a shot down the field, um, threw it into a crowd and Cam Bynum made an athletic play and, and picked it off. But I mean, either you like Brock Purdy and you have conviction, but I am so sick and tired of the, I said he was going to be good, but as soon as he's bad, I'm off his bandwagon. And as soon as he struggles, I'm not, you know, I'm going to say that he's the guy right now, but he's not the guy down the road. It's like, do you think he's the guy, period? Get on, you know, weigh in one way or another. I think he is the guy, period. That's where I'm at. The, this this I'm I like him when he's good and I'm ready to rip him and cut him off at the knees when he makes a mistake is garbage. And as far as are we seeing any common denominators in his play? One thing that was brought up today on Twitter, Brock Purdy by quarter this season, quarters one, two and three. He's completing 71 percent of his passes, 9.2 pass yards per attempt. Nine passing touchdowns, one pick, and a 117.1 passer rating. In the fourth quarter, he's got a 54.8 completion percentage. The 9.2 passing yards per attempt dropped to 6.7. The nine passing touchdowns dropped to two. The one interception jumps to two. And the passer rating goes from 117 to 71.5. So he hasn't been as good in the fourth quarter. Now, well, he hasn't needed to be that he hasn't needed to be. A they've run the ball a lot, but you know he's not attacking in the fourth quarter. I think that's why the nine passing touchdowns versus two. But overall, you know, um, he you know he made a couple bad throws in the in the second half, and he got and he got burned on them. But I mean, if you're going to throw with anticipation, if you're going to throw to spots, if you're going to have the balls to th- put the ball up in the, you know, for your receivers to go get it and those 50 50 balls, you're going to win, you're going to lose. And he lost yesterday in the fourth quarter and he'll own it and he'll move on. But I mean, I just, th- this, what's really sickening is like these people that kind of smile. It's like, it's like, it's, it reminds me of high school, someone who smiles in your face and talks shit behind your back. 
it's like that's what it feels like this niner the niner uh reaction from some of the fans and content creators and media it's like either you believe in this guy and you think he's the real deal like shanahan like myself like a handful of others or you think he's not good enough and own it wear it be out there but this you know what i really doubt him and I'm going to be on the record as saying that I don't think he's the long-term guy, but I do like him right now, but I don't like him. What? It, which is it? Look at it this way. You got a lot of people who decided to hate him during a 10-game winning streak. So if you're going to decide to hate him when all the evidence is showing that you're wrong, the only way you even maintain your voice in a crowded room is to try to scream, oh, look, maybe I was right. Maybe I was right when he does have a less than game and a two interception game from Brock Purdy is a less than game. But again, but you're those, just waiting. You're just sitting there on the yeah, sideline and rubbing and your hands together. That's what it seems like. There's people out there that are literally sitting on the sidelines waiting for this guy to fail. I told you all summer oh, that Trey Lance was the guy and I don't know shit, but you know what? Um, and it's proven at this point but I'm still going to hold tight to my, I won't give this guy my full endorsement. I'm not going to buy into it. I no, don't Larry, believe keep the same energy. When you go you on, don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. Keep the same energy. Next time you're talking to your buddy, Grant. Okay. Keep the same energy up. Because I mean, he's, right. he, he's not only, he's not, I mean, Grant, I think has been at least given, given Brock his flowers, but I mean, I'm talking about many, many others who are like, I love him. But I really am gonna. I'm good. I'm, I'm. I'm. I love him, but I don't endorse him. It's like either you think he's good enough, or you don't think he's good enough. There's a group of fans who are just waiting to try to dunk on people who have told you that Pur Purdy's pretty good. Not only are you not dunking on us, you don't even have possession. Like you're not dunking on anyone. If your point is Brock threw those interceptions, I told you he sucked. Of all quarterbacks who have started seven games this season, Brock Purdy has thrown the fewest interceptions in the NFL. I mean, but nobody else has. Nobody, I mean, guys have good days. Guys have bad days. Nobody jumps off the Jalen Hurts bandwagon after he throws three picks to the Jets and almost threw a fourth, and they lose to the lowly Jets. People are still like, hey, you know what? Hurts is the guy. Like Hurts. But Purdy's uh, endorsement, it's like, I'm only endorsing him because everybody else is show some conviction. If, if you really don't believe that he's the guy, then say it and wear it through the good and bad times. Right. And if they do win the Super Bowl, you don't even get to go to the parade. You know, you don't get, you don't get to, you don't get any, you don't, don't buy the t-shirt. Don't buy the hat. Don't, don't, don't high five a single dude on your couch during the game. You know, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's nuts. We got there, there, there is, a level of anger that only gets expressed in football fandom and people just dump all over the team that they love because it makes them feel better about themselves. It's really, it's a weird way to go about being a fan. I, I never understood it. I can't understand it. You know, this is the team I root for, but I don't like two or three decisions that they made. So I'm rooting for it all to fail and I'm rooting for everyone to be fired. And then I will be happy, even though this guy is winning games at a percentage that would make Bill Walsh blush. You know, so... It, well, this, it, and here's this one, Gizmo Maltese. I agree, but the question about Purdy is, can he manage comebacks? Whose question's that? Yours? I mean, he came back on the road from 10 down last year against the Raiders as a rookie.
Um, you know, he led them back last week against the Browns only to see their rookie kicker miss a 41 yard field goal, which is, it, you know, the, the equivalent of a gimme. So, so last week, did he not bring him from behind? No, he did bring him from behind last week. Did he not come back? He did come back. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. I mean, I, I, I just think that it's, it's sad. It's sad. It's like people want to, you know, it's like they have no conviction they don't want either they don't know what they're watching or they have no conviction or they just don't believe in this guy and they're just telling everybody they do because they feel like they'll be ripped if they don't. And it's like, come on, come on, man. The guy has got 24 touchdowns and what I what what I say it was 24 touchdowns and seven picks, and he's 12 and two. Not bad. I mean, come on. Not bad. How many guys, how many quarterbacks in football have 24 touchdowns over the last two years and seven picks and are 12 and two? Well, you know, Larry, here's the thing, Larry, he's never won a Super Bowl. (laughs) Right. Right. He's never won a Super Bowl. And there's a lot of people who only understand the quarterback position through the prism of did he win the last Super Bowl? That's it. I'll tell you, if you want to show that you know nothing, and this and this happens all the time on 49er Twitter and all the time in the chats here. If you can't talk about Brock Purdy and be critical without bringing up Jimmy Garoppolo, that tells me every anybody who brings up Jimmy Garoppolo tells me that your focus, your your total scope of quarterbacks is only Jimmy and Purdy. That's it. I mean, if if Jimmy is constantly brought into the discussion, he's Jimmy. He's Jimmy. Why? Why is he Jimmy? They're not, they're not really alike. You know, it's like he's Jimmy because you only watch the Niners and and you've only been watching for five years. And so the only quarterback, you know, is Jimmy. Jimmy would throw balls that in midair, you could see they were going in the wrong direction. You just, it was just like, Oh my God, he didn't see that middle linebacker for the fourth week in a row. Oh my God. You know, it was just, Jimmy didn't see the field nearly as well as Brock Purdy sees it and processes it. The the picks that Purdy has thrown have been the result of some really good defensive back play on those balls. Um, he has not been just, you know, d- Jimmy would, would s- scatter it everywhere. Purdy's not scattering it everywhere. Um, he's a good quarterback. He's got a lot to learn. He's still really, really young in this league, but the coach believes in him. He was without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel last night, which I think affects the game. And the number one way to make a night harder on a quarterback is to not opening up uh, running lanes and get a running game going. And the 49ers didn't do that. I mean, to me, the blame of this game falls squarely on the defensive line who did nothing and the offensive line who didn't do enough. That's where the blame of this game goes in my book. Purdy, sure. You know, it. you can't defend an interception when you're trying to win a game. Yeah, it, he did that. He threw that. But all the things that led up to that moment, and here's something I even saw this from one of the chatters earlier. I can't hear you, Larry. I was going to say, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. I mean, not, 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 not in opening up the run. They didn't. 
Well, no, but I mean, Jalen Moore, I mean, you didn't hear uh, Daniil Hunter. It wasn't like he was living in the backfield. I mean, he was hardly back there. Um, no, I'm, I'm, Jalen I'm Moore and Colt McDivitt. I'm talking about the running up. game. They, yeah. they, they failed in the running game last night. They only ran for 65 yards last night. That's a bad, that's a, that's a shit night for a Kyle Shanahan team. 65 rushing yards. That means guys did not get the job done. And well, no question. I mean, they, they, you know, more than anything last night, I mean, it, to me, they, they, they're not opening run lanes in the middle. I mean, they up the middle, they're just getting gashed. I mean, it took them three tries to make a quarterback sneak for one yard. They went for it on second down, third down, fourth down, finally got it on fourth down, but they're not getting a lot of push. You know, they're not getting a lot of pop in the run game. Guy named Eric says Purdy still has fewer interceptions than Patty Mahomes. Blow that at your tailpipes. But, and Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. But Josh but Allen's got Josh Allen. Purdy has how many picks this year? Three. Three. Josh Allen has more than double that. He's got seven. Can you Josh imagine? Allen suck. I mean, come on. Can you imagine? Brock Purdy had seven interceptions over oh. the course of, of a seven seven game run. I mean, There'd be people standing outside the facility holding signs. He must go. Seriously. I mean, it's uh it, it's it's a little nuts uh the way people who have no scope of not just NFL history, but no scope of NFL present. Like they they they're not even watching the league and how it's behaving. This league is really rough on quarterbacks this year. I mean, it, it defenses are 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 just gobbling guys up all over the league. And being great each and every week, Larry, it's no longer available. I don't care how good you are, how good your coach is, how good your quarterback is, how good your defense is. You're going to have off weeks in this league. Full stop. Good teams have bad games. Bad teams have good games. The talent gap between the worst team in football and the best team in football is about this. It's about this. This is it. This is how far you are away from losing against anybody oh the detroit lions look at how good they are well did you see what the baltimore ravens did now do you think the baltimore ravens are that much better than the detroit lions so not, not probably not but boy did they have the right game and it just got away from them some teams are built to win a certain way the 49ers are built to be front runners kyle shanahan is a oh, front running coach middle, had to have this is used as a negative I actually think, you know, th to me, there's nothing wrong with getting up on a team early and then winning the game. That's a great way to go about winning football games. It's been a very successful formula for La Familia Shanahan uh, in their entire family tree. You know, there, there's the excitement that comes with a great fourth quarter comeback. If you can just avoid that because you're in control of the entire game, like that's also a really good thing. The, the the 49ers, when they go out and they play well, they dominate. Well, and they're, and they're that's, yes, that's the other thing. It's like, oh, Brock Purdy doesn't come back in the fourth quarter because they're winning in the fourth quarter more times than not. Right. Here's Shanahan afterwards on, on his quarterback. No, that's what I was just saying. He just missed the one to Juwan um, a little over the middle. Had to have it a little more inside the numbers. Um, and the second one was just trying to lob it over someone in desperation. I thought he played really well. Um, as the one that the one missed throw to Juwan was um, the the one tough play that he didn't make. 
thought he played really well, you know? So there you go. Um, everybody's got a different perspective on this for sure. But I mean, I understand the people, you know, they show the quarterback and they show the head coach, uh, a lot. And so people fascinate on the quarterback and the head coach, and I'm not trying to, uh, minimize Purdy's mistakes. I mean, they, you can't throw two picks in the final two drives when you're on the road and behind, uh, and win the game. And that's ultimately what it's about. So he's got to own it. But the guy, if you watch the game again, the guy made several great throws to the point where Troy Aikman sounded like he wanted to adopt him. I mean, it, it was like Troy Aikman was so incredibly impressed by Brock Purdy during that broadcast. Um, and then it just the last two possessions and in the last one, I think you got to credit Cam Bynum. I thought that was a tremendous play, tremendous play by Bynum. Um, and, and it's like, I'll, I'd rather Purdy stay aggressive and throw an occasional pick then be captain check down, never go for it, not throw the 50, 50 ball. And, uh, but I will say this, I think the Niners need to create a little bit more space on offense. And that usually comes with more speed and more dynamics, dynamic playmakers. And they, they, they don't have right now. I mean, Danny Gray, they have, but he's never plays, um, you know, even like calling for Ronnie Bell, Ronnie Bell's not really dynamic. He's, He's got good hands and he's and he's a good receiver and I'd like to see him, but he's not dynamic. They they could use a dynamic player. They could use a dynamic, um, you know, space creating offensive weapon. So who's that guy? Let's officially do it, Larry, because there is a week, as you said, that they have until the trade deadline comes about. Talent acquisition, again, if there is a silver lining to put around the loss, maybe it makes the Niners more aggressive here at the trade deadline than they might have been. Two-game winning streak is an awful lot of, or two-game losing streak is is finding some reality religion. So maybe we've got uh, a more aggressive Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, looking at, at trades that can be made. And as far as I'm concerned, you got some dance partners on the floor Carolina, Chicago, Denver, Houston, New England, New York teams, both of them, and Tennessee, I think are open for business. So I would be scattering or scouring, pardon me, those those rosters. Um, and you and I talked about this a little bit doing post game last night. What do you want? Well, first of all, James Foster, love you, James. He says, Larry, come on. I love you. We're now expressing our love for each other. But the 49ers have the most dynamic offensive weapons. Said who? That's the most ridiculous statement of all time. Uh, George Kittle runs through you. Debo Samuel runs through you. Um, Jawan Jennings ran 4-7. He runs through you. Uh, Ronnie Bell's got great ball skills, but he's not dynamic. Dynamic is is, uh, Jordan Addison. You saw it last night. Dynamic is Rondale Moore. Dynamic is is a burner. Um, they they don't have a burner. They, but you I mean, know they, they have they, they don't have a speedster. They don't have a space creator. They don't even have a vertical threat. That's who's, not what Kyle who's their wants. vertical threat. I, well, they Larry, no, he does want Kyle that. Want he would that. like that. He just hasn't been able to have that. I've asked Kyle about this many many times. There's a reason that Danny Gray has made the team the last couple of years, despite 
no real production to speak of. And it's because he's super dynamic and he runs four, three, three, and he plays even faster than that. And when he is on the field, he's got potential to run off the coverage and create the space. See, if you watch the coaches copy religiously, you know what a dynamic weapon does for the geometry of the coverage. If you, if you're watching just the, the, you know, this, the television copy, you're never watching the all 22. You don't see the reaction when a guy runs four, three or four, two, that there's a reason that McVeigh is using two, two Atwell. It's because he's absolutely a, a, you know, he creates a ton of space and it's either horizontal or vertical. Um, the Niners don't have that. That's why their receivers take pops left and right. Well, That's I mean, why everybody's bunched together. Here's the thing. You know, who, who is that guy then, right? You know, you should have drafted Jamar Chase. What can I tell you? But you didn't. That guy, the dynamic, and he catches everything. Like, normally you get the Marquise Goodwin, right, where he's got Marquise Goodwin. That's a good actual, call. Actual track speed, but he can't catch a cold, to be totally right. honest you got, with you. you got to have somebody that can catch. Uh, but Marquise Goodwin's a good example. Right. And so, and there and Tutu Atwell is another good example. So I'm guess Shanahan has had those guys and he still hasn't figured out a way to really use them to any degree of success. Kyle well, Bill see, you know, it, they, the thing is it's not what they do for themselves, it's what they do for others. That's the difference. And like, you know, there's a reason Dallas has that kid Turpin. But wait, um, wait, wait, wait Larry, 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 during the five-game winning streak, we weren't talking about how these guys didn't was, talk to each other. I was. We did. We, well, okay. I was. I mean, I was. I've been talking about this all summer. This is a major part of offensive football. Defensive football is about speed and accountability and closing down the space on the field. Offensive football is about speed and stretching the field vertically, horizontally, and you can do it by play design. You can do it by actual speed. But I asked Kyle three times this summer, how important is the vertical threat? And he's like, the guys on the other team know everybody's 40 time and they, they will defend you according to how well you run. So it's really important. That's why they keep not cutting Danny Gray because they keep having hope that they can have him out there and he'll run off the top of the defense and he'll create space. But now here we are, it's a couple of years in, can't stay on the field, can't get on the field. They need a dynamic playmaker to create some space on offense. Is it Jerry Judy? I don't know. Is it Rondell Moore? I don't know. Um, is there is there some player out there that they could get that you know I'd have to scour the you know uh, the receiver market and see who's technically available? But um, you know if there was one vertical threat speedster out there on a losing team, they ought to they ought to go for him. Larry, they really do need that speed. Well, I would disregard that in the name of you have much bigger concerns as far as I'm concerned. I, I think they need another defensive lineman. They need more pass yeah, rush. I agree. I agree. And they need a corner. They need another corner before they need another wide receiver who's just a vertical threat. They don't need the concept of anyone. They need actual production from whoever they get. Not, they, they don't need. They don't need to add a concept. They need to add a player who makes plays. Um, and so if you're going after a Brian Burns, a, a Patrick Sertain or, or a, a Jalen Johnson, if you're going after a player of that ilk, you're not going to be adding and a vertical threat and an offensive lineman. Well, it doesn't always have to be a star. 
you know, just be, you know, just because you say you have a need doesn't mean that like vertical threat has to be a star. It could be a Marquise Goodwin type player on another team that you could get to compliment, or maybe you can get Danny Gray back and <clears throat> you can get Danny Gray healthy he's and get him IR, out there. Isn't he? I mean, he's on IR, isn't he? He's done on, for the year? No, no, he's set to return and he's been working out and he's running on the side and they say he's getting closer, but I mean, that you know, he could help. He could absolutely help. Um, they got a few needs right now. They really do. I mean, um, I, I think that their primary, I agree with you, their primary need is they're not getting home up front. So they need a pass rusher. But I would say the primary need is the corner because their their top three corners, I think, proved uh, the last couple of weeks they aren't good enough. And if, they're, if their top three corners aren't good enough, you know, the odds are that one of those guys has an injury are pretty high. And then you're going to have to lean on your fourth and fifth corner. And I don't know what they can expect to get out of Womack. I don't know what if Darrell Luter Jr. is going to make an impact. These are young players. So um, Jalen Johnson would be a great call. Uh, J.C. Horn would be a great call. Sertan seems to me to be a pipe dream uh, just because I, why, I don't understand why Denver would move him um, at all because he's not, he's not expensive. Um, he's a great player. He's one of the best players in the league. It, it just seems unlikely they would move him, but, I mean, he's, it's worth calling on. I mean, I'd call him every single day uh, just to figure out, you know, who's available, who's not. To me, the, the, the two most likely candidates to come to the Niners would be Jalen Johnson from the Bears. But as you stated last night in the postgame, and you're right, the Bears would love to extend him themselves. Uh, he's only 24. The other one would be Sean Murphy Bunting, who's in Tennessee. Tennessee's clearly looking to the future. Bunt, Sean Murphy Bunting's only 26. Um that's a that's a corner who I think could help them and and is gettable. So I, I those are the two guys. Sertan seems like a pipe dream. Uh, Daniil Hunter and Brian Burns seem like pipe dreams. I would say the more likely edge rushers would be like Arden Key from Tennessee or uh, possibly Josh Ushi from the Patriots, who's an undersized rusher, only twenty five. Uh, they're probably going nowhere. Probably would take some draft capital. So, you know, I mean, we can talk big names, but, you know, look at what the Niners have done in the past at defensive end. They added Willis. They added a Menahue. Those guys weren't stars, but they were young, talented, athletic players that they felt like would have success in their system. I could see them trying to bring back Key, and I could see Ushi because I think the price would be right. But, uh, you know, the, the idea that they're going to get Bryant Burns, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the 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 other player I think is a kind of a becoming more of a need the more I watch them is that the Niners have leaned so heavily on Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner to stop the run that man if Tennessee would move would would trade you Aziz Alshair I would like to have Aziz back I mean I, Aziz knows their system he can run he's doesn't make a ton of money. Um, you know, if you could get Aziz Alshair and Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, I would do it. I, I mean, really like the guy too. I like I, Aziz a is, a, great is a great guy. Look, to me, you know, again, it was five weeks of man, this is pretty perfect. They're so well built, they're well constructed. I'm not going to let two losses uh, erase every data point that we have from the first five games. The honest to God's truth of all of this, Larry, is yeah, more talent is never a bad thing. 
The Niners have an awful lot of talent, and the guys in the locker room right now just need to play better. That's how the Niners get better. Everyone do your jobs. Everyone do your jobs. Play better right now. I'm looking at you, Nick Bosa. You got Nick, you got Kim Kardashian underwear ads. I've seen more pictures of your abs than I have seen you in the backfield so far this year. You know, you need to be better with what you got up front. And Eric Armstead has been a no-show this season. Drake Jackson, haven't used his name since week one. Javon Hargrave is a good pass rushing D tackle, I think is a little light up the middle. And part of the reason why the running, uh, the, the run stopping nature of this defense has been hard to find the past couple of weeks. They've given up 769 total yards with only two sacks over their last eight quarters and no sacks against Kirk, against Kirk Cousins. So that's why they're losing because the guys that they're paying big money to get the job done have not gotten the job done. And I think Steve Wilkes, I think Buddy Ryan, I think the best defensive coordinators in football would all be struggling a little bit if part and parcel of your how we win today is we got four down linemen that can get to the quarterback. Let's not pretend that Steve Wilkes is Buddy Ryan because he ain't. No, 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 I'm not. Steve Wilkes has had like nine different jobs in the last nine years. No, but what I'm saying is any defensive coordinator is going to look less than when your defensive line isn't doing its job. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, um, I had a couple things listed as things I wanted to see into, you know, keys to victory yesterday. And like one of them was feature Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle get Ronnie Bell involved. Those things did not happen. Did not happen. Um, split the running back carries more like, you know, in thirds. Let's say there's 60 snaps, 20, 20, 20 for CMC Mason and, and uh, Mitchell. That didn't happen. Take care of the ball. The Niners led the NFL coming into last night's game in turnover differential, and Minnesota was 30th. That didn't happen. Um, the only thing that I was looking for yesterday on the offensive side of the ball that did happen, I said the O-line needs to pick up the blitzes from Hicks and Ivan Pace and Josh Metellus and not let Daniil Hunter feast. And they didn't let, you know, they, they dealt with the blitzes and they didn't let those guys feast. Um, and then on defense, I wanted to see the Niners stop Minnesota's run game. They really didn't, um, you know, so. You know, I also thought, hey, you know, force Minnesota into some turnovers. They had 13 of them and nine fumbles. They didn't do a good enough job there. So, look, you know, and they never got off the field. Larry, they, the, the Vikings' five straight scoring possessions took an awful lot of gas out of their tank. That was a 10 play, 89 yard touchdown drive, followed by a 13 play, 67 yard drive that resulted in a field goal, followed by a five play, 75 yard drive that was the touchdown that. Ward let go right past him. The 11-play, 77-yard field goal drive actually helped keep the 49ers in that game. And then there was a 10-play, 50-yard drive for another field goal. They had scored on five straight possessions, but they were still only up by one possession. But those, the, the defense didn't get off the field last night. I mean, it's just that simple. They, they yeah. did not get off the field. Every single, you got to make a play here on third down was First down. Well, I mean, I, one of my keys was key on Hawkinson. Hawkinson caught 11 balls. Yeah. You know, sack Cousins. They didn't get a single sack on 35-year-old Cousins, despite the fact he dropped back 45 times. 
I mean, you know, that right there is it. I mean, this team was built and all the money, you know, follow the money. The money on this team's on the D-line. That means the D-line's got to lead the way. Yep. And they didn't. They didn't. They weren't good enough against the run. They weren't good enough against the pass. So I agree. Um, you know, if, if Kassarik, you know, Kassarik told me in July, hey, man, I'm going to play my guys in a rotation. All right. But, I mean, you're you're not. Who's getting to the quarterback? Who's getting to the quarterback on this D-line? I mean, nobody's doing it with consistency. And that part is the part that if you say what's surprising, what's really surprising is that 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 on this line that's so loaded and so rich. I mean, when the Niners signed Javon Hargrave as a 49er fan, didn't you think that, oh, man, it's going to be jailbreak on quarterbacks? Yep. You are adding Hargrave and his 11 sacks to Bosa and Armstead and what they got up front. Oh, man, they're going to hunt quarterbacks. They're hunting shit. So, I mean, it's 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 really time for, you know, my concerns are more with the health of Greenlaw, the health of Warner, because these guys mean everything in the run D. Uh, they've traded some run defenders for some pass defenders, and they're asking the remaining run defenders to pick up the slack, and they have because they're that special. But here we are, middle of the year, and those guys are getting beat up. So I'm a little concerned because – Greenlaw and Warner are probably, you know, the guys that they really need to dominate are like CMC, Warner, and Greenlaw. That's how, that's where you're running the ball and that's where you're stopping the run. And those guys are getting beat up. So do you want to win the Super Bowl? If you do, I suggest, you know, lessening the workload on CMC, diversifying your rushing attack, and finding another player or two on defense that can stop the run. Otherwise, you're not, you got no shot. You got no shot. And, and because ultimately, if you got into the playoffs and you're, you're listening, you're leaning on uh, uh, JP Mason and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles and Oren Burks, you're done. You're done, and I love those guys. They're all solid players, but you you have to have your stars doing their thing. Peter King said it last week after the Browns game. Kyle's got to find a way to utilize his non-Debo um, and CMC offensive weapons. But you could say the same thing on defense. they got to find more guys they can bring to the party. You know, I, Larry, I can't remember if it was Bay Area Baller or if it was Ryan last night on the postgame show who made the point that I, I, I thought about actually when I, I I popped in for about 20 minutes after hosting my own postgame show and then I had to go to bed. Um, it's time to move Nick Bosa around. I mean, do something more creative. We're, we, I didn't see a lot of stunts last night. I didn't see a lot of razzle-dazzle anywhere on that defensive line, the things that we've become accustomed to, the pressure. just It's gone away the last couple of games. Now, look, there are a couple of pretty good tackles in, in Minnesota. Derisaw can play. I mean, yeah. you know, they're good. Yeah. The weakness was in that interior, and it wasn't taken advantage of not, not, not once. Not once. The 49ers should have won that game guard to guard. And they didn't. And I can't even remember a single time where Kirk Cousins had to make a holy shit throw. I got to get rid of this. But for the one 
call where even Troy Aikman said that should be intentional grounding because just look at the way he threw it. He threw the ball to the ground to avoid a sack. There was no intent to get that to a screener, even if the screener was in the vicinity. Refs missed that call. I don't think this is... How about this? No one's blaming the refs this week. No one's blaming the refs this week on that 49ers loss. They, they had nothing to do with it. Poorly officiated game in Cleveland, kind of in both directions. Yeah, there was plenty to talk about there. Poorly officiated games all around the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot of shit officiating going on right now. Last night game was officiated well, consistently, fair shake both ways. Um, it was just failure to execute by the players who need to execute for the 49ers to look like the 49ers. And this is a defensive football team first and foremost, and they haven't been two weeks in a row now. So here come the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you get to say on to Cincinnati, which is what we say every week. This week, you actually get to mean it. You're on to Cincinnati. Um, There's a very good chance they play like that. They're going to lose to Cincinnati. If you if if you think Kirk Cousins with time is a problem, when you see what Joe Burrow might do to you. Yeah, I mean, if you can't cover Brandon Powell, you can't cover Jamar Chase. Right. If you have trouble with KJ Osborne, when you see T. Higgins, you know? Yeah. So look, um and I the Bengals are everyone. desperate and the yeah. Bengals are rested. You know, that's the other thing. The one kind of you know, everybody say, hey, anything can happen any given Sunday, and they make it seem like everything's so random in the NFL, like you, nobody knows. But in reality, there is that internal rest situation that's different. And this any given Sunday is a lot of times predicated on who's ready to play. Now, the 49ers are limping towards their bye week, have lost two in a row, now coming off of a short week, on the road where they had to fly back from Minnesota. Uh, they're, they're gassed today. Their coaches have not seen their families. Uh, I guarantee you they got off the bird and went right to the facility. And it's all about wrap up yesterday and look towards the Bengals. And they're trying to accelerate their week. And that's why Kyle's like, we just got to get through this next game because they're in this kind of like just self-preservation mode. While Cincinnati has... They're they they've been prepping for the Niners like it's a freaking bowl game. Right. You know, they're sitting back and they're golfing and they've got the Niners. They've already watched every angle, every this, every that. They they've had all kinds of preparation advantage. And and as somebody who used to do some of these quality control reports, it it you know, you gotta it, there's a lot of manpower that goes into preparing a football team to play a game. But when you have a one day advantage, that's huge. The Bengals have a 12-day advantage. They've had 13 days off, and the Niners are on a short week. So right. this, this anything can happen going into next week, just so everybody knows. Don't sit there and say, oh, I'm betting the Niners. I'm betting the Niners. Stay away. I'd stay away this week because the, 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 the rest advantage is all with Cincinnati. Does it mean they're going to win? No, but they have a huge, huge advantage in this game. It is a significant advantage. Um, thank you very much for watching us here on 49ers Wake Up. It's great to have you. Rick Mighty Bone Feliciano, who follows us and subscribes to both of our channels. And by the way, if you're watching on Larry's channel, 
please go ahead and hit that subscribe button over on my channel at some point today. I know I'm doing a show at 11 a.m. My own show won't be a long while. I'm going to be over at Chase Center tonight for Warriors opening night. But uh, support the both of us. I really appreciate you hitting that subscribe button. Larry, you've grown your channel in, in magnificent fashion. We're trying to play catch up, and we will eventually over here. And thanks so much to all of your subscribers who have become my subscribers. I believe that Rick Mighty Bone Feliciano is one of those guys who found me through you. And he's doing a little update for us, um, not to brag, but right now, KNBR has 228 people watching its morning show. Right. Uh, 95.7 The Game has 680 people watching. Wow. And, um, Three times KNBR. Wow. Yeah. And 49ers Wake Up has over 800 watching right now. Um, uh, you know, between my channel and your channel and the simulcast, we are a bigger presence the morning after any 49er game than either sports talk radio station. So thank you so much for choosing us. Really do appreciate it. Um, it means it a lot to, to Larry and me for sure. What we'd also like you to do is support us by supporting our sponsor. Palmetto Superfoods, and it's really worth doing because it's delicious. It's a delicious, healthy choice. And forget forget about the word healthy, like that that like that that almost ruins it to a football crowd, right? Well, yeah, it's like kale. It's like no, no, you know, kale. You know, I, my wife has had me try kale like nineteen different ways, and she's it's, it's no you know, it's really good. It's really good. No, it's it's. Not. it's you know, it might be really good for you, but like you can taste it, you know, it, it finds its way into the taste and it's just, it's bad. I, I can't, I, I can't get away from kale. Kale is good for you, but not good. Aussie bowls are good for you, but delicious. There you go. Get yourself an acai bowl from our friends at Palmetto Superfoods. Larry and I are going to be picking a location and doing a, hey, come and eat acai bowls with us uh, pretty soon. We're going to do a little uh, uh, meet and greet at one of these. We, we we haven't figured out when or which one, but you will, if you're watching right now, I, I promise you be among the first to know. Thank you so much for tuning into our first ever Tuesday 49ers Wake Up, the Bay Area's <laughs> morning show choice. Charlie Higgs says kale sucks. Game. Thank you. Hey, Thank well, you. Charlie is right about that. He really is. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, let's get to some uh, super chats, Larry. You you control it all from your end. Uh, all let's, right. Uh, let's let's get into the people who've paid to be heard. All right. Gizmo Maltese jumps in with. Remember when we were comparing this team to the '94 Niners? Yeah. Yeah, it was just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, could maybe Deion Sanders join this this group of Niners? I'd like to see that. Get him out of Boulder. See if he wants to lace him up one more time. Fish and chips. Terrell Davis was done in six under Shanahan's system. Yeah, well, I mean, Kyle maybe likes to use his guys and run them hard. Uh, there's no question that, you know, that. They're By the gonna... way, that's a Hall of Fame career in six years for Terrell. So I don't think there's a lot of regret on either side, right? Yeah, Fish and Chips says, here's a couple pounds. Casey, rookie, uh, Isaiah Pacheco in 22, Rice in 23, trusted. Well, it's not about do they trust rookies. It's about do you have a good rookie that's good enough to play. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco was amazing. Look at it this way. In Eli Mitchell's rookie year, he was trusted enough to become this team's leading rusher, and he had a really nice debut. He hasn't been healthy since. 
and he hasn't played well since. But I don't think it's it's about look at it this way. Kyle hates rookie wide receivers. I don't think he hates rookie running backs. Gizmo Maltese Purdy was being compared to Joe Montana. Joe's known for his uncanny comeback drive. So far, Purdy hasn't proven he can't. He had two shots yesterday. Uh, hasn't proven he can't. That's a lot of negatives in there. Um, he came back 10 down on the road against the Raiders last year. He hasn't been down a lot in the fourth quarter, period. But isn't yeah. that a statement about how well he's played the first three quarters? Again, using the phrase front runner is only done in a negative way. There's nothing wrong with being in the lead lap of any game you're in. Uh, there really Brock is. Purdy leads the NFL, by, or he's dead last in the NFL in one category. Fourth quarter pass attempts. Nobody's thrown the ball less in the fourth quarter this year than Brock Purdy. So there you go. Kyle L says self-professed uh, Trey truther here still love Brock. And I think he's shown enough that he can, he can be the guy. There you go. So Kyle, Kyle is coming around. He realizes yeah. the errors of his way. And <laughs> thank you, Kyle. Matthew Rowley. After the last two games, I worry Purdy is Tony Romo. What do you okay. Think Tony that? Romo was a pretty good quarterback. You know, I mean, come on. Tony, Tony Romo is one of the best quarterbacks in Dallas Cowboys history. Talking Heads says sometimes, but he never won any playoff games. Sometimes, uh, Talking Heads says sometimes when I hear Purdy takes, oh, I feel well, like Brock people... Purdy has won playoff games, so I guess he's better than Tony Romo. There you go. Right, exactly. Uh, Talking Heads says sometimes when I hear Purdy takes, I feel like people didn't watch him in college. I did. He was good, but this is who he is. He was benched oh. for picks and erratic play. And no, IU came back last week. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, Brock Purdy is not a perfect player. I don't think anybody is saying he's a perfect player. Um, I think that that his his arm strength is less than ideal. And you're right. His accuracy in college, uh, you know, was a little spotty. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of a regression to the mean. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing accuracy trouble, though. I'm really, no, I'm really putting, not. The guys, the guys putting it on people's hands over and over and over again. Even go back and look at the game again. There were two or three incompletions where he put it right on the receiver's hands. Receiver just dropped it. it, it look, I, I, it's, it's something that Steve Young has talked about for years when he's trying to delineate the difference between accuracy, and arm strength. Um, he basically says, do you throw a catchable ball? Steve right. Young always returns to that talking point. I think Brock Purdy throws an incredibly catchable football, and he processes what's in front of him you know, it's funny, but for physical traits, people don't know how to evaluate a quarterback. Like the, the conversation has been lost in the world of sports punditry. What really matters and that Kyle, he's only good in Kyle's system. He's only good on the 49ers. If you put him on a terrible football team, well, guess what? If you put him on a terrible football team, he'd be less than like every other quarterback. If you put Patrick Mahomes on the worst football team in the NFL, he wouldn't look like Patrick Mahomes playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Steve Young was bad with Tampa. Right. So and he would, and last I checked, he's in Canton. What Brock does have are a lot of translatable skills that would make any offense, I think, good or at least put them in an advantageous position he's got mobility 
He's got escape ability. He's got a good computer in his head when it comes to processing the field. He gets through three reads quickly. He throws a catchable, accurate football. I mean, these are traits that, to me, are universal and should be praised, but they're not. I mean, the problem most people have with Brock Purdy is he doesn't have chiseled up, rocked up arms. He's not 6'5". Like, that seems to be the biggest complaint. You know, you know, you know, John, like, if, if we were to, musically, who is he? he? He's 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 probably John Cougar Mellencamp, you know? Like, it's never cool to say you like John Cougar Mellencamp. You, 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 no one talks about how big of a fan of John Cougar Mellencamp they were. The, but the guy's got some pretty good songs. He's pretty damn good. And you're going to go Jack and Diane on us? Yeah. Uh, uh, pink houses, a little paper <laughs> and fire. That's when a smoke was a smoke and grooving was grooving. I mean, come on, man. Like, he's got some good songs, but nobody ever tells you, man, I'm on Team Mellencamp. It, it, it's never been cool to like John Cougar Mellencamp. It, it still isn't. It will never be. But he's pretty damn good. And Brock Purdy, I, I think I think the guy they didn't lose last night because of Brock Purdy. Come on, right Come on. now. Here's the thing: he made the last play of the game for the Niners offensively. And what I think is one of the bigger misunderstandings is people saying, "Well, everything that happens in the fourth quarter matters than the the three other quarters." No, if you play the three other quarters as well. As you hope to play a fourth quarter, you won't even need that fourth quarter. You want to know where the 49ers really fucked this game up? That Christian McCaffrey fumble on the first drive of the game. That was a massive mistake. They had the well, 49ers. I, how about the, the Wilkes call going into the locker room? Look, this team had zero points at the two-minute warning, Larry. Zero points at the two-minute warning. And they were only down nine after the worst half of team defense that I can remember. I you mean, know, the, the kicker missed a forty-yard field goal. Yep, they couldn't stop the run. They, they, they. You know, they made an offense that didn't have its number one weapon look very, very good. Um, they couldn't get off the field on third down. I mean, they lost the money down. They lost the money down. Uh, Kirk Cousins played exceptionally well. Purdy didn't play well in the fourth quarter, and that was the that you know, you know. Once again, there you go. There's the game right there. Rich Alexander said, oh, my God, can you talk game and not if per people like Brock? Okay, fine. We will. Uh, we got this we one. Green glass full says Purdy. What's that? Hate is ethno ethno narcissism. narcissism ethno narcissism. What? I'm, okay, so that's a new word to me. That was definitely invented in the last. 15 weeks. I mean, I, what ethno narcissism? I are, what what are we saying? That that people don't like Brock Purdy because he's white? Is that it? Is, because I heard that the reason why Trey Lance didn't stick around is because he's black. So how can how how can you not like black or white quarterbacks? Like I don't get that. I don't what I don't get that. Or maybe I don't even understand what ethno-narcissism is. I don't either, and I'm trying not to. Brand new says, is Purdy elite, yes or no? Elite? It's a, it's a stupid elite? question. It's a stupid question. I love I mean, it. Who is elite? Who's elite? Patrick is, Mahomes. Is, 
Is Josh Allen elite? He's got tw- more than twice as many picks. Is is Justin Herbert elite? He's sub 500. Here's Who's the question elite? you should be asking. Does he fit? Brock Purdy fits. He fits yeah. this team's needs and and financial needs as well. So he is a very good fit for the 49ers. And what if you say no, but what if he goes on and wins the Super Bowl with this team? Would that then make him elite? Would that make him elite? I guess I mean, so. This is, the, this is the Kirk Cousins question, right? Is Kirk Cousins elite? He was on the last, last night he was pretty damn good. Yeah. He's seven and eleven in primetime games, so I don't think he's elite. Uh James Foster. Didn't like the play call on the first interception. Interested to hear Shanahan's thoughts. The check down was there, but being under center threw Brock off. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll today I'll get a, my first look at the all 22. I'll have a much better feeling after that. Uh, uh, Con- I'm reading here a guy named Talking Heads says, uh, You guys kind of seem defensive that Purdy might not be the guy. Just saying. I don't think we're defending anything. We're just looking at the data points. And there are many more data points returning that he is very good for the 49ers than there are data points being returned that he's bad. He is and, who's, more- and who's you guys? Me, Damon, and Kyle? Because Kyle said he played very, very well. Right. But so. then as soon as you say that, then it's people, what do you expect him to say? Kyle else says, between the ears, yes, Brock is top tier. Um, I, uh, I, I think, Brock, you know, Brock, I think Brock is good enough to win with. That's what I look at it as. Is he good enough to win with? Yes or no. He's good enough to win with Sean O'Leary flew to Minneapolis for the game. Mooney Ward in particular was awful. There were at least two more PIs not called soft zones, no pass rush, just not Niner defense. Yeah. I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't disagree with any of that. When By I the watched way- the game again, I saw Mooney Ward. Uh, he he was very fortunate to not have at least two more PIs. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would hold on. It, I I thought that uh, who 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 was just in Minnesota? Who was that? You took it down. I was oh, about I, to. I forget the name, but I I had to, I erased it. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for the super chat. Um, there is no stadium that pops better on TV than that stadium. What a gorgeous stadium that is. That blimp shot is the best-looking domed blimp shot there is. That is a gorgeous football stadium. That's the football stadium that the 49ers should have built for themselves. That's that's a real big-boy football stadium. Not that erector-set Levi Stadium, greatest architectural mistake made since they built the... You the hate Levi Stadium, but I'll, I'll say this. I, I like SoFi. I think SoFi is oh, a yeah. Mexican stadium. Yeah, SoFi's gorgeous too, but man, that min- just because it's built like a Viking boat. I mean, it you know where you are, you know the team that plays in it. If I just showed you a real quick outdoor shot of Levi Stadium and muted the colors of the seats being all red, you wouldn't know who played there. There's nothing about Except for the banners game. out front that say faithful that are like five stories high. Right. But there's there's literally nothing in that stadium that says you're in the home. Of the San Francisco 49ers. You hate that team. I, I I have no problem with Levi's. None. It's like None. It's, it's like if Facebook built itself a football stadium. <laughs> I mean, it's comfortable. The press box is a little cold, but it's it's uh you know, I, I think you know, stadiums are first of all, I don't get a lot out of out of football stadiums, period. 
Uh, I just don't. They're 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 oftentimes just kind of forgettable. But uh, I like it. I mean, like I've been to Lincoln Financial for Army Navy. I didn't find that stadium to be like, wow, I'm in the home of the Eagles. No, no, it's it's that's it's that generic. That, that that isn't a architecturally gorgeous stadium either. Um, I mean, SoFi looks incredible. I would looks say. like the future. Yeah, so Vikings nice. Viking Stadium looks like the future. You know, Seattle Stadium. You know instantly where you are when you see that end yeah. zone. Yeah. Um, there's just there's just nothing that screams Bay Area about Levi's. There's nothing that screams Niners about Levi's. And from the outdoors, it looks like a photo mat. Maybe if there was just more garbage and uh, homeless tents, maybe that would make it look more like the Bay Area. Ethan M says Bosa taking That's shots at Wilkes scheme. Did Bosa take shots at Wilkes scheme? Uh, if he did, I haven't heard it. Um, but he sh- I look, whatever the scheme was last night, it didn't work. It didn't slow down anything that the Vikings wanted to do. Matthew Rowley says the Romo comparison is that he's very good most of the game, but when the pressure builds, he presses and makes the killer mistake. I, is that so? We're gonna. That's what Romo may have done a lot in his career. Is that has Brock done that enough? Where we're we're really now labeling him based on what he did what this week? I mean, come on, right. seriously. Is that what we're talking about? You can't relitigate the guy every single time he plays a game. You shouldn't. And by the way, Tony Romo, let me see. I just looked that number up. Now let me look Brock real quick. Uh, all right. Tony Romo in his career started 159 football games for the Dallas Cowboys. Brock Purdy started 16 games. That's it. That's it. The guy's played 16 games. And in the first six, he's dominating. He's What's his win percentage? He's looked fantastic for the very most first, you know, part of his first 16 games. Tony Romo has had, uh, uh, you know, a lot more. We, we don't know who a Brock is yet. I mean, that's the honest to God's truth. We still don't totally know what he is. But if you had to put together a collection of data points, and serve them up on a platter without anyone's face or jersey number on them or team affiliation. And I said, here's what I give you in a quarterback's first 16 starts. If I just showed you Brock Purdy's numbers in his first 16 starts, you would buy it 100 times out of 100 times. It's just, he is off to an exemplary start of a professional career he hasn't even played 20 games in a regular season. So stop. Well, there were, but get- the, you know, there were people last year, uh, this off season that were trying to tell us that he couldn't get any better, that he had topped out. So, I mean, you know, when you just, when you're going to say idiocy to just to justify whatever point you want to make, you know, we can all, t- I mean, if, if I gave a damn, I'd take receipts on people, but I just don't. You know, otherwise, you know, it's like there's all kinds of people that were openly rooting for Trey Lance to to uh, to be the starting quarterback. And we're going to felt like the Niners needed to ride with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is still third string in Dallas. He probably winds up on another team uh, before the beginning of next year. But no, it's like people are still bent on like, 
you know, Brock's not good enough. If, if Trey had done what Brock has done, you'd be singing about his future and, and you'd be walking around with your five Jersey and high-fiving everybody. Instead, you're going to point to Brock's failings in the midst of overwhelming success and be like, he ain't good enough. He's because like, I'll tell you the one that's most tired take. He's not him. Oh my God. If I that's see that word. again, he is him is the stupidest saying I've ever heard in sports. Why don't you just tell me I have no vocabulary. He yeah. is him. Or Holy just like, shit. it's like, why not just say at the end of every comment, it is what it is. Right. That's the equivalent of his. It is what it is. Talking heads says Bosa's worst play of his NFL career came last night when they when the old lineman put on his knees and then sat on him. Woof. Um, yeah. Well, Bosa's not playing well. I mean, considering what they're paying him, that's for sure. Uh, we got this one from Matthew Rowley. Quarterback play matters more in the fourth because even if the quarterback looks great for three quarters, the rest of the team may let him down. And in the fourth is when the quarterback can put the team on his back. Quarterback play matters when the clock is ticking. There's no one quarter that means more than another quarter. Just because you saw it last doesn't mean it matters most. You know, that's like saying Steph Curry didn't hit a lot of fourth quarter shots the first year they won a championship. Well, he didn't have to play the fourth quarter. You know, he, you well, know once he, again, though, it's like Brock Purdy has attempted the fewest fourth quarter passes of any team and any quarterback in pro football. Right. That's what happens so, when you're leading games. Yeah. That's what yeah, happens when you're winning your first five games by an average of almost 20 points. PWA became a YouTube member. Thank you there. Let me golf clap that. There you go. Sean O'Leary says it was a great stadium for fan experience too. had great seats, but no seats seemed bad. And the amenities were great. And I'll say Vikings fans were great hosts. That's awesome. I'll say this. That reputation. The the Twin Cities is a great place. I mean, Minneapolis, very nice city. St. Paul, uh, very underrated city. The people up there are hardy and uh, very welcoming, very welcoming. The Midwest is a nice place. I mean, and it really is. By the There's way, a lot of nice stadium, people in the Midwest. The stadium that's got a ton of bad seats in it, Levi's. Oh, my God. Go up to that upper deck on the east side of the stadium. You got the sun in your eyes beating down on you, and you are as you, you feel like you can reach up and touch an airplane. <laughs> I love Levi's Willie Mendoza blame it on Kyle for not upgrading that O-line. You have a young quarterback taking over that team. The O-line should have been a top priority at the draft or free agency. I kind of agree with Willie here. Day one Jones over Jake Moody, maybe go with Robbie gold. Day one Jones over, over, uh, um, you know, uh, Camlin too, you know, probably would have been nice. Uh, the Niners kind of felt like there wasn't a tackle available after the first round, and yet the Browns are playing, getting good football out of day one Jones. So Let I, me I would have liked this. to have seen one more alignment. I agree. So when I went down to bed last night, if you would have asked me, do you think you guys will wait an hour and 51 minutes to get to Jake Moody in, in the show? I would have said, no, we'll probably get to him before that. But we really haven't. Do the 49ers still need to call Robbie Gold? Did that 55-yarder give you uh, uh, enough pressure release on the evaluation of Moody to think, all right, kicker is not – as you examine what you need in the next week, is kicker still on the top of your list? Because it's not for me. He missed some kicks. Rookie kickers miss kicks. He missed, missed a 40-yarder. That's not good. 
40 yarder indoors should be automatic, but if it was in his head, he would have missed that 55 yarder too. Yeah. I thought Kyle, Kyle, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I like Jake. I've talked to him. I think he's solid. Uh, obviously he's got a big leg, but if you're asking me, would I rather have a kicker who makes everything inside of 50 and as opposed to, and misses everything outside of 50, as opposed to the kicker that misses from 40, but also makes it from 55. I'll take the sure thing every time at kicker, just so I have a better idea of what his actual range is. And I just think that overall, when you've had Robbie gold as your kicker and he's 38 for 38 in the playoffs, why in your, in your gotta have it year where you know, you're going to be a playoff team and you know, you're going to be in the playoffs would you go away from that and invest a third round pick and a kicker? I mean, I know there's cap ramifications and so on and so forth. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm, by the I, way, here's a question. I still have no questions. No one's asked this question. How come Robbie Gold's not playing football? I know. I know. Maybe he doesn't want to play. There you go. So Maybe I think he wants to stay retired. I think you got your kicker. Yeah. I think so too, but it doesn't mean we can't complain. Ethan M says we're usually a rush for kind of a team Bosa. Uh, yeah. And you usually are a sack, the quarterback kind of a defensive end and you're not right. Kruger. You're usually a, get Kruger, a quarterback only rushing for you have not been again. I want to go over this again, Larry, because if you joined us or if you joined us in this hour, not our first hour, you might've missed this. The problem with this defensive line is that they're just not getting home. Hargrave three sacks through seven weeks. Drake Jackson, three sacks through seven weeks, hasn't had one sack, haven't even used his name since the Steelers game. Bosa's got two and a half. Warner's got two. Givens, Heidler, Greenlaw, Gregory all have one. Eric Armstead, half of a sack. That's not enough, fellas. This group is underperforming and underserving this team's needs. Defensive line needs to be better. Offensive line needs to open up some running lanes for its running backs. This team lost at the line of scrimmage two weeks in a row. I think you just clicked mute, Larry. You've muted yeah. yourself a couple of times. Well, I've muted myself because I've got this terrible runny nose today, so I'm, I'm having a hard time. Uh, but I would say run the ball, stop the run. The Niners did not run the ball as effectively as they could have, and they really didn't stop the run. Then you look at third down, um, you know, I mean, this team didn't have Justin Jefferson. It was it was a Jordan Addison uh, Hawkinson day. And then Addison went out for over a quarter. And still, it was just all kinds of guys that you never heard of um, making plays. I mean, K.J. Osborne was a force. Brandon Powell, Brandon Powell had more receiving yards than Brandon Ayuk. T.J. Hawkinson played like his name was Gronkowski. He's and there's nobody else, right? I mean, when 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 Cousins drops back to pass and Jordan Addison's in the locker room, and all he's got is Hawkinson, Brandon Powell, and KJ Osborne, I expect the 49ers to win. I expect the coverage to tilt towards Hawkinson and the 49ers to win. And instead, they didn't. It was pitch and catch. Very disappointing. Crush, crush more uh, more uh, uh, super chats, Larry. 
Uh, Kupaliski, first time in that spot, learning situation for Brock Purdy. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, we got this Every one from Leon, Leon Mooney. Did Bosa hold out impact the D-line gelling process? Possibly. That's a good, Possibly. That's, that's a good, that's a good super right there. But seven weeks in should have been enough time to smooth that out by now. You know what I mean? Like here, here it is. You're in your season now. If that was the first couple of weeks. Yeah. What about now? You know, Bosa needs sacks now. So. There you go. And and now it's like, okay, now here comes Cincinnati and it's going to be a real challenge and the 49er. But to me, the interesting part of this week is about John Lynch and what can John Lynch do um, to, you know, I, I really do believe after the Eagles got Kevin Byard that the Niners need to respond. Um, I don't think the Niners right now look like they're in that Eagles category. The Eagles look better than the Niners. The Eagles, you know, yes, the Eagles lost to the Jets, but the Eagles are strong on the D-line, strong on the O-line. Uh, they got a bunch of guys. Josh Sweat is rushing the passer. Um, they just added Kevin Byard on the back end. You know, they, they, they've got playmakers in their secondary. They've got a defensive line that even without Hargrave is getting to the quarterback. They got an offensive line with where they get to third and two and they're in four down territory at any point in the field because of the tush push and it's created a dynamic. And then, you know, Dallas Goddard is, is faster than Kittle and making more plays. AJ Brown uh, is a true number one. He's um, unbelievable. AJ I didn't Brown realize. and Devonte Smith are playing better than Debo and Ayuk. Yeah. Well, and look, you know, Debo gets hurt a lot. Anyone else notice this? Yeah, I mean, anyone else notice this? This guy is unavailable as much as he's available. It feels it really it's it's too bad, but he's a little struck by that injury bug. Dre Greenlaw is quickly becoming that player as well. So um, there are needs at this deadline for a team that is very well built, well constructed, but now officially has gotten some some messages back that you need to be better than you are. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. They, what they, they actually walk away with. They need, they're inside their Super Bowl window. They need to go for it. Um, Lynch wants to find difference makers. Uh, I agree with that that assessment. Um, they need they need help in several areas. Let's see what he can do. This is a big week for him. What do you got left in that super chat? Empty it out, Larry. That's it. We we emptied it out. Well, I think we've totally emptied the clip on the show as well. We've been yeah. going for two oh, wait, 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 wait. hours. Fish and chips just dropped that. He said, good news. Dwelly got a grab. Interview due now, Larry. You want Dwelly? Okay, I'll talk to Dwelly this week. Get get Dwelly that love. That was a nice little screen to him. I, I, I like that pass. But Middle screen. That was a nice yeah. play call. It was. It was. In a, in a night that didn't have a lot of those nice play calls, that was one of them. Look, I don't know about a Super Bowl, but I do know that the Aussie Bowl from Palmetto Superfoods is fantastic. You can rely on that to deliver every time. And let me just leave everyone with this, and then, Larry, you can wrap it up. This is still a very good football team that is embarking on a very good season that will result in a playoff appearance. If the 49ers are healthy in their playoffs, I like their chances. 
Let's not pretend the sky is falling after two losses. This league hands out losses like you're about to hand out Halloween candy. That's the way it goes. This league strips teams of success. There is no momentum in between games. The 49ers are a good team who have underperformed in two games on the road. And as bad as all of it feels and looks this morning, they've lost two games by a combined seven points and were driving for the win on their final possession in both of them. So is it good to lose two in a row? There's no reason to pretend it is. Is there any reason to pretend that the San Francisco 49ers are now the Carolina Panthers lost in the woods and hopeless? No, that's a little insane as well. So do everything you can to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I think you're probably going to be five and three going into the bye week. The Bengals feel like they got the right formula. Really? I, yeah. I say the Niners bounce back and beat the Bengals somehow, some way. Well, I hope you're right. You're, you know, you, no one has sold me more on how rest makes a difference. And this is one of the biggest rest differences you'll find in the league this year. So uh, Joe Burrow's struggles, I think, have been related to a lower body injury that has had time to heal. It was healing and he was playing better. You know, you can't you can't have Jordan Addison burn your house down and then tell me that Jamar Chase isn't flammable. So five and three is out there. Okay, five and three is out there. So is 15 and two. 15 and two is mathematically still very much out there for the 49ers. So we're we're only at week eight. You can't win a Super Bowl in week eight. You can't win a Super Bowl in week six or seven. This team was not built to win a couple of road games in the middle of the year. They've got bigger things than that. They're not off track for those biggest possible goals. Not yet anyways. They could use a bye week. They could use a reset. And hopefully they beat the Bengals because the difference between six and two and five and three is a lot. It's significant. So, yeah, if they can circle the wagons and beat the Bengals, I suggest that they go ahead and they do that. But this just feels like a team that's kind of going in the wrong direction and might not have the time needed to turn around the ship into the right direction before Cincinnati gets here. It'll be a, it'll be a good game. It'll be a very fascinating game. It'll be a challenge for the 49ers. They need to get pressure on Joe Burrow. If they get I pressure believe. on Joe Burrow, they got a shot. If they don't... They're in trouble. I believe they're still on the road to Vegas. Razaki says, be sure to take zinc, vitamin C daily. Take a Theraflu packet before bed tonight. Feel better, Larry. Thank you. Larry is playing hurt. I've Play seen hurt. I've seen more tissues go to the nose in this show than I've ever seen in anything in, in all of our years together, Larry. So get those- I got more tissue before this show than I ever have had on hand. And I've gone through every single one of them. Ethan M says, Why does Wilkes refuse to cover anything underneath? I'll ask that question. And then we have this one, non-super, but vintage oddball cards. His Purdy is not the problem. Niners only punted one time. Time of possession was way on the Vikings' side. Defense is the problem. I would agree with it. The defensive line has lost the last two games. Not just very, one. They've lost the last two games. Uh I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, good stuff. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Charles from Palmetto Superfoods. Go get an acai bowl. Um, Charles, Charlie Higgs says, Larry is a dog. 
he plays while not a hundred percent. That's our and guy. You got to bring it, man. I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I bring it every day. I bring it every day. We're probably not done for the day. We'll probably do something more, but yeah, everybody have a great, uh, great Tuesday. Go hey, Niners. Join, join me at 11 on Damon Bruce plus hit subscribe, please. Larry, your audience has been wonderful to me. Hit that subscribe button over on my channel. A little notify, little like would do an awful lot of good and be there. We're going to continue in about an hour at 11 o'clock. And then tonight, I'm going to be coming to you live from Chase Center for some instant reaction as the Warriors wrap up uh, night one of the NBA season. Got the Phoenix Suns in town. Devin Booker. Oh, I know. In fact, he's not playing tonight. I'll, I'll be kicking off my uh, for my Warriors post game with the crew tonight. After the game, we'll go live after Warriors Suns. Chop it up. The great Frank Red, Carl Foster, uh, Damon. You're invited. Everybody's invited. We're gonna have a big old party tonight in the post game after Warriors Suns and chop it up and start getting that Warrior dialogue going tonight. Uh, I also read, by the way, that the Giants may be going with Bob Melvin. So we got oh, that to look forward to this week. We got a, a lot of things to talk about. Um, and of course, Bengal week. So Larry, it, yes, Bruce Bochy's in the world series, Bruce Bochy, Bruce look at that in the world series, everyone. Let's leave everyone with that. Bruce Bochy's in the world series and, uh, the giants didn't fire him, but he didn't leave on his own accord. And on that <laughs> note, peace. <laughs>